The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Hello and welcome to another Final Hooter. Yes, it's another socially distanced Final Hooter. My name's Dave Parkinson. Delighted to be joined, as ever, by Adrian Jackson on the other end of the line. Uh, and Adrian, it's been a, a pretty interesting couple of weeks since our last show, hasn't it, mate? So I'm fed up of all the social distancing stuff, aren't you? <laughs> to be fair, yes, I am, you know. But, you know, I, it would be good to actually have a chat face-to-face with you for a change, mate. Since we, since we sat on the bench outside my house on the phone, I've been stuck here. In, yeah. social, in my social bubble. In your social bubble. I mean, that's one yeah. of the things that we're going to be talking about, social bubbles and Super League. Um, a little bit later on, we'll be hearing Never from... Never thought we'd be talking social bubbles and Rugby League at the same time. Whoever thought that that would be happening. So a little bit later on, we'll be hearing from Andy Grundy, a former player and coach, of course. Uh, a name from the past. Yeah, definitely. Was a, a good servant, actually, for, for Liam Rochdale in particular, uh, but started oh. off at Wigan. Uh, so great to be hearing from him. Uh, hope you'll enjoy that little interview that we've got but there's quite a bit for us to catch up on because I think last time we spoke Adrian we were just after the first two games of the restart weren't we when uh, Saints better Catalan yeah when Saints better Catalan and uh, and when uh, Huddersfield uh, lost out in dramatic circumstances to Leeds so we've got a full two rounds of Super League to to catch up on here yeah you mentioned uh, Catalans Uh, what a stunning bounce back they get flattened by the, the mighty Saints in the first game, but then bounce back to smash Wakefield out the ground. And smash Castleford as well, you know. So, and Castleford, so uh, what a bounce back for them. And interestingly enough as well, they've scored 98 points without reply, so they went 14 points wow. to nil down against Castleford in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh no, the writing's on the wall here. Shenton's looking like he's having a worldie. And then up pops Israel Folau, and he starts writing the right sort of headlines that we want him to write. Basically, he has a, a, a classic game where he sets up three tries, scores one himself, uh, and that turned that game on its head, didn't it? It? it did, and um, just shows you where, just shows you what a quality player he is when he concentrates on wanting to play rugby league. It's really nice seeing Tom Davies back as well. He had his injury issues at Wigan. He's moved over to Catalans, hoping to get regular first-team rugby again. Scored two tries in this one, three tries against Wakefield, and I tell you what, he's flying at the minute, isn't he? He is. Uh, he had the ability at Wigan, didn't he? But just never got the game time. Uh, found himself down the pecking order, so he's. He's going to join uh, Mighty Sam and his brother at the uh, Catalans. In fact, there's a few Wiganers there now, isn't there? Because uh, Mickey Max over there as well. Testing the paella, no doubt. Paella, I like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, that's that's it for my jokes as far as this goes, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll... No, well, no, that'll go down in France. <laughs> I'll strike out whilst I'm ahead here, I think, Adrian. Yeah. Um Warrington, they played the second game uh, of that, that weekend that we were commenting on where Cass played against Catalan. They they were up against Hull Kingston Rovers who played a really unconventional style of rugby, didn't they? It's a weird game, that one, wasn't it? And they decided they were never going to beat Warrington down the middle of the field so thought they could get the better of them by playing touch rugby and down the flanks. And when you're playing high percentage rugby league like that, you've got to have the players to pull it off and, and to be able to maintain it. And they were never, never going to be able to do that, were they? It, it kind of worked for him for the first half hour because it also meant that Warrington were really, really scrappy against them. I thought that it was a bit of a bit of a scratchy performance, in all honesty, from the wire until probably about 20 minutes from time and they started to put it together. They did, and it just shows that Warrington had been scrappy, never mind before the, before the shutdown, even when they've come back, because they weren't that brilliant against Huddersfield, even though they did get the win. 
yeah, a couple of good performers over recent weeks uh, for me. Tom Lynham, he's certainly getting over the try line. I know that's what he's paid to do, but, you know, yeah. he's scoring some spectacular stuff at the minute, isn't he? He is. He's always had that ability, hasn't he? Uh, and then Gareth Widdop seems to be settling in. He seems to be getting better. Um, I know maybe maybe we've been expecting too much of him because he spent all his days over playing on these uh, firmer Australian pitches and he's come over here and it's took him a good while to get going, hasn't it? It has. And it's always going to be the case when it's all about settling into his new surroundings and getting used to the style of play that the, the Warrington team are playing. And uh, maybe that combination with Greg Austin might pay um, dividends for them. You mentioned Huddersfield there, and Huddersfield, they um, they had the week off, actually, after playing against uh, Leeds, which is, is never really a good thing when you've gone from one close loss. I would imagine that you want to get straight back out there, but they had to like sit on the sit on the haunches for, for a week. Uh, we eventually got back into action against Warrington. I thought they were good for long periods of that game, actually, again. They had the chances, didn't they? bombed a few clear-cut chances that match the game in their favour, so they... they... When you look back on that, they're, they're going to look at situations where they bombed it and they're thinking, you know, it could have been us with the two points. And really nice to see Leroy Kudjo back because he's gone through uh, hell and back over the last sort of couple of years, hasn't he? He's not played a lot of rugby. He no, he hasn't. Uh, yeah, so good to see him out there. Cause, and he's uh, one of the go-to players for Huddersfield, isn't he? Uh, yeah, and I've, I've got to admit, they, they missed for me, um, the big go-to player in League Askell, who we commented on had such a, an influential role in that game against Leeds, and with him missing for the next couple of weeks, that that really sort of has him down on numbers, doesn't it, at half-back? Well, that's always the option, isn't it? When, when you're low on half-back, certainly when you when you, you go-to man's not playing, um, you know, you top draw half-back, if he's not there, well, you, you're looking around for the replacements, and sometimes... No disrespect to the, the replacement. Sometimes uh, they're not up to the same standard, are they? We mentioned two teams there. Who, uh, who are the winners in round two of Project Restart? Well, I was going to come. I was going to come to that actually, because obviously we'll be talking about these two sides in a, quite a bit more detail in a bit. Uh, mm. But Salford fifty-four, Hull eighteen. Bit of a, a nightmare start for uh, last going in there. Hmm. Yeah, it just shows how difficult that job is, isn't it? Yeah, and then Wakefield just losing out by the odd point to Wigan. And I thought that they were pretty unlucky because they, they, they fought back quite staringly, to be honest, because I thought first 40 minutes, Wigan bossed it. Second 40 minutes, Wakefield bossed it. Game of two halves. Classic phrase in rugby league, isn't it? Very much so. Ended up with twenty-year-old uh, Harry Smith dropping the winning goal there to to win the day for Wigan. Uh, St. Helens had a much more easier stroll in the park against Leeds. Was you expecting this? It finished forty-eight nil. Oh, they were sensational Saints, weren't they? I mean, um, Regan Gray, he, he's got the skill, hasn't he? And and, and against Leeds, he. I'd like to see St. Helens giving the ball more often because for me, they don't give him the ball more often. <laughs> but when he got that ball against Leeds, he was unplayable, wasn't he? Oh, he was. I mean, it was. Rec- excuse me, the helicopter going the bloody house. <laughs> as long as it's not the police one, we're all right. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not the police one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you mentioned there Regan Grace hat trick, and it was a true hat trick as well, wasn't it? Uh, which are yeah. quite rare in rugby league, in all honesty. Uh, and and there was a right mixture there. There was a, a close finish from about fifteen meters out, which still took some scoring. And then there were two really long range tries. It saw him get over two hundred and fifty meters run metres for the game which is outstanding just you to know your stats you know me and stats eh? we're, we're steady bedfellows I think 
the winners of the following round, well, we've already touched upon a couple of these as well. So we mentioned about Catalans, Dragons having a, a routine win against Wakefield, to be honest. I thought Wakefield were dreadful in this one, by the way. Uh, Whitley scoring a hat-trick, Tom Davies scoring a hat-trick, Sam Tompkins everywhere and Wakefield nowhere. That sounds about right, so there's no need for me to comment on that one. <laughs> and we've already spoke about Huddersfield's close loss against Warrington. Uh, St. Helens had a a really tight win, to be honest, against Castleford, where I thought Cass had, had the chances in this one. I was going to say, I thought, I thought that was Castleford's, Castleford's best performance to come back here, to be honest. And, and yeah, St. Helens look, look like they're going to be the team to beat, but yeah, good effort from Castleford. And they'll, feel, they'll be feeling pretty hard done by, by that defeat. I think it shows a bit of a blueprint to how you've got to play against St. Helens. You've just got to like really front load your middle units, haven't you, and start doing all your defence in the middle because that's where Saints are going to hit you. Yes, we are. They've got the power in the middle, haven't they? They've got the, they've got the skill of the half-backs and they've got the pace out wide. A bit of a blow in Percy with a hamstring problem. And, and we've also found out about the fact they've lost Tommy Makinson for five matches. So couple of um, selection headaches for, for the coach, Christian Wolf, but everything seems to be going to plan for the Saints at the minute. Yeah, a bit of an unusual incident, that, involving making some, wasn't it, that's resulted in this uh, five-match ban. I've seen it described as a low grab, which is uh, an interesting way of putting it. I know, I know, obviously, we're a family show, so we can't really say it, can we? No, it's, 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 a, na- it's a naughty grab. <laughs> a naughty so he's got, grab. He's got his just desserts for it. Yeah, very much so, very much so. The other big winners of this round were Wigan Warriors defeating Leeds 28 points to 10. I thought, that Adrian, though, this game was really in the balance until 10 minutes from the end when um, uh, they, they had a man put in the sim bin, didn't they, Leeds? That's the problem you have when you have a man sim bin. The problem is you're going to have is you're hoping while you have a man sim bin that you're not going to concede any points. And as it was, Wigan took full advantage of that one, didn't they? Ran in 12 points. So from that point onwards, Leeds were always chasing the scoreboard. Yeah, crucially as well, those uh, big mistakes from Leeds coming from a couple of the more experienced campaigners. So Cuthbert who I don't know about you, but he's one of my favourite forwards in Super League, in all honesty. He had a little bit of a stinker in the second half, dropped the ball four times. Uh, and then it was Luke Gale, the man who got himself simbin for... It was a really stupid tackle where he tipped a player on his head. So, you know, it was just desserts, I suppose. I think Luke Gale has fitted into the Leeds Rhino setup. I've got to be honest, I've yet to be co- totally convinced by I'm him. Not. Um, not, you know, he's kicking he's kicking well, but he doesn't seem to be leading the side as much. I mean, I, I looked no. at the involvement of his half-back partner, McClelland, who, who for me is a, a really good player waiting to happen there at Leeds. And he just seemed to be dominating that half-back pairing where you would have expected Gale to really take control like he did at Castleford. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's still early days, isn't it? But, it is. yeah, it is. it's, it's you, you do sort of wonder. And you could tell uh, with Luke Gale, he was very frustrated by his own performance performance and he actually started um, sort of having a go at his whole simbin in after the match uh, when they interviewed him on Sky which for me was a little bit of a no-no. I know there was one or two little controversial incidents maybe over the course of the weekend as well you know with regards to uh, Briscoe scoring and seemingly having that foot in touch and there was one or two other sort of video referee decisions Ben Murdoch Masilla only getting simbined when you know he, he's been found to, to have um, transgressed and has got a two-match ban. But for me, Luke Gale's got to be a bigger man than that. And not just during the game, the, the camera kept on panning in on Richie Marler. So I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. 
I mean, he would have. He's one of these guys that hates to sit out games anyway, doesn't he? You know, mm. even while injured. But he would have just been thinking, well, I wonder what I could have been doing in that number seven yeah. jumper. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Since he should have been going to Toronto on that, that deal has fell, fallen through. Uh, I don't think he's played for Leeds since, has he? He played against his fullback, but he got injured in that game. So oh, okay. it, that ruled him out for the game right. against Wigan, in honesty. But oh, right. okay. but even so, you know, um, he maybe feels like he's on the outer at Leeds and, and maybe given a bit more of a, a, a wider role, um, you know, could he have made that much of a difference? Because for me, this was a close game. I know it, it doesn't look it in the final outcome, but mm-hmm. I, it was close right up until that Simbini. Your local hospital radio. The Feel Better Station for Warrington Hospital. This is Radio General. Uh, speaking about Toronto, every day, there's never seems to be a day going by where there's a player signing for another club. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Because they've been paid by Toronto for the rest of the season, but then they're allowed to go and play for another club as well. Uh, well, are they being paid by Toronto for the rest of the season? That's that's the thing. They haven't been paid, have they? Be- oh, right, OK. We're led to believe they're being paid off, haven't they? So they, they can get in two wages, aren't they? Uh, well, they would be if Toronto were actually paying their wages, but oh, yeah. Okay. So I think I think in a lot of cases, I I don't blame the players in all honesty, and I think that um, unfortunately they've been caught piggy in the middle, like usually happens in these sort of situations. So whatever's happened over at Toronto with David Argyle and the, the you know the the money that he was putting in and the money that he possibly isn't putting in now, you know, is is another discussion entirely. But it, th- those players have been left sort of right in the middle, and there's been some horror stories. I saw something from. Darcy Lussick saying basically he can't go anywhere. He's not got a visa anymore, so he can't apply a contract in this country. Um, They did say that they'd help him get back to Australia, and that's gone by the by. Uh, So he's sort of stuck with with like nowhere to go at the minute. And, uh, you know, I do feel a a little bit of sympathy. So I'm, I'm really pleased that a couple of those lads have been able to if you like, get out of that situation. So Gareth O'Brien, we saw him make his second yeah, debut Cass. for Cass and I thought he was Cass really was good at fullback. Up. Yeah, I thought he was really good. So he's gone there on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, Liam Kay has left them in a similar sort of deal but has signed a subsequent two-year deal over at Wakefield. So he's not going to be pulling on that Toronto jersey anymore. Bodine Thompson as well, interestingly, is uh, another player that's left Toronto and gone to Leeds on a, a short-term deal until the end of the season. And, uh, you know, the big news is that uh, Sonny Bill Williams is popping up in the NRL again. He's now cleared his two-week um, biosecurity uh, stuff that they've got to do, where they've got to sit in, you know, create their bubble before they can join their own uh, NRL bubble. Um, and he's he started training now at the Sydney Roosters, so it'll be interesting to see if he can force his way into team selection over the next few weeks. There's one more guy going as well, uh, centre. What's his name? Oh, That's Rick- for you. Yeah, Ricky Latelli. Yeah, Ricky Latelli. And the interesting thing with him is that the yeah the interesting thing with him is that the the NRL actually changed a, a couple of rules so that uh, he could be re-signed by I think he's gone to Melbourne Storm, oh, okay. but when they looked at the salary cap, um, they ruled that Ricky Latelli was worth so much and uh, Melbourne Storm. I'd only had a fraction of that available on the salary cap. But basically, Latelli was saying, well, I've not been paid for two months, so I'm happy to play oh, for whatever. Um, and okay. they, they ended up changing the rules slightly so that he could uh, he could actually sign for the Melbourne Storm. So he could be another one that could force his way into team selection, especially with the way that they seem to be dropping it like flies up in Melbourne at the minute. Mm. Your local hospital radio. The feel-better station for Warrington Hospital. This is 
Radio General. The other thing that I'm sort of really interested in at the moment, you, you touched upon um, Australian rugby and the whole Brisbane Broncos situation in our Thanks. last show. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, I've been keeping further tabs on that. Did you know that they've had 10 players that broke biosecurity? So uh, that's meant that they copped a 75 grand fine from the NRL and also those players have been caught with a 65 grand fine in total as well just for that in pounds or australian that's dollars? in australian dollars so okay. it's still quite a lot of money though isn't it still to be fair cash, isn't it? Yeah. um you know but it, it just makes you wonder is that is that what whole fc have done what find them or or no, or, no, all gone out the rugby league bubble um I think our bubble is very different. I was reading something from Lee Mossop, actually, in the, the League Express right. this week. Now, are, we not, are we not implementing those conditions where, like, the footballers and, and the likes, they, they, they stick within that bubble and they can't move about? So, I, basically, are we doing it where the only time they're in a bubble is when they go training another match day? I think so. I think so. I mean, there are there are certain you know rules in place, but these are applied per club. Because again, as right. well as Mossop commenting about the whole situation that Salford found themselves in as a result of playing against Hull and then right. having having to go into into lockdown themselves and get tested for for COVID nineteen, um, the the there was a, a little interview as well with uh, Simon Wolford from uh, Huddersfield, and he was saying that basically. The, the, each club seems to be applying their own take on the rules that have been issued by the RFL and Super League. So I, Maybe I, I don't understand that. Maybe should have one realistic to it. I, Maybe I, should have one process and that's it. I would agree. I would agree. You know, I mean, there's certain things that certainly people can do to 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 restrict, you know, any sort of transmission. Um, for example, with with myself, I've hardly been out of the house to be honest in the last sort of four months. Oh, so. I, listen, I've been partying for five months, man. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky, lucky boy. The only social, the only social distance I've been doing is on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case, to be honest. You know, but uh, th- there are other other sort of issues with regards to this. I think um, you know. So if they're not adopting like the NRL bubble, on like they did in the football, like you said, yeah. Then, even the cricket, cricketers are doing it, aren't they? Then there's the, the there is always going to be the tran- the chance of transmission because to be honest, you know, if, if you've got partners and you've got families at home that are living their lives as normal, they, yeah, they exactly. there's still going to be that potential, and I don't see how you can ever totally get rid of the the threat. Really, proved it with uh, with five whole players getting. Uh, tested positive. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that number's gone up actually since they did the retests. So you know that they've been put into total isolation. It threw it threw the entire Super League into into panic, really, didn't it? It has, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Because instead of having six games in the last round, we had we only had four. Yeah, so we we had like quite a bit of uh, jigging about, and uh, I, th- I think I heard Chris Chester as well saying that they'd actually at one point had to do preparation on three teams, as opposed to just the usual one that you would play over the course of the week. So maybe maybe this little surprise there. Floor, a coach's job can't be any more difficult. <laughs> 
So maybe this little surprise there that they ended up getting nilled and walloped by uh, Catalans yeah. in that case. You probably turned up with the wrong game plan. You <laughs> <laughs> probably got there with the game plan. They were meant to be playing. You know, who, who should he be playing? Uh, they should have been playing against St. Helens. So it does make you wonder what Saints would have done turned, to him. You probably turned up with the game plan for St. Helens and gone, oh, no, we're playing Catalans. Who <laughs> <laughs> knows what we're doing against Catalans? <laughs> they obviously didn't know what they were doing because he got hammered. Oh, but but yeah, I do think there's there's sort of certainly wider implications regarding this, and and mm. uh, obviously we're not as we're not as rich as the NRL here in the UK, we're not as rich as football, football. we're probably no. not as rich as the cricket either. You know, with the fact that they've been able to to sort of isolate the top test players, haven't they? Um, so so what what, what do you do? do? What, what, what do they stick them in the social club? <laughs> yeah, what 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 do you do? What do you do? How do you how do you contain in, it? In, Indoor camping at the, the this year's social club there you go. <laughs> which you, which social get, club though? Uh, every club's got their own little players lounge, haven't they? So all they've got to do is put about a load of the mattresses on the floor, bit of bed, and there you go, you stay in here. Doing time you're leaving to go to go uh, to the lavatory or go training. <laughs> I love your thought process, to be honest, Adrian. That is boot just camp, so. It'd be boot camp rugby league. That is highest quality. That is just so <laughs> harsh. You know, you, they've already had pay cuts of all these players. You know, mate. Yeah, listen, the, the full-time pros. What else are going to be doing? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Boot camp mate. rugby league. That's the way forward. Honestly. <laughs> Joking aside, that isn't going to happen. But. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a worry because you're thinking, how many times is this going to happen with the rugby league? We're going to have to rejig the uh, fixture because we've had an outbreak of positive um, COVID results amongst players. Yeah, I mean, we've had a positive COVID result this week as well with a St. Helens staff member. So it's meant that they've had yeah. to cancel training. Uh, obviously, you know, we don't know any further at this stage, um, but no, it, no. it is what a worry. It is a worry, definitely, because we could be stopping and starting all season. This might be one of those seasons that never, ever ends in that case. I can see why the RFL in the early days uh, haven't told back on the venues where the games are going to be and then releasing it as we get closer to it, just in case we do have outbreaks like like this. Yeah, you've got more chance of controlling it, haven't you? And if yeah. it, everything's in sort of one venue, providing that you can do all the necessary cleaning in between games and stuff. Because mm. I have to admit, I was quite surprised because I know over at Leeds, for example, they've got two sets of dressing rooms. Uh, but at the weekend, it was over in St. Helens. St. Helens obviously only has the one set because they had teams yeah. that were getting changed upstairs. All right, okay. And then they were actually going down to the pitch, you know, because uh, I, I, I know a lot of our listeners probably won't be aware of, of, of where the media sit, but, you know, from, coming from the level above where the media sit and sort of going yeah. past where the media would have been sitting. Well, you, well, you have the hospitality boxes above you at St. Helens. Yeah, I just thought it was really weird that, you know, seeing... And, and then I was thinking, you know, OK, they're taking it to the Halliwell Jones this next time that when Super League's back after the Challenge think, Cup. I think they're all right, the Halliwell Jones, because there's four dressing rooms. It is there. two for the teams, and there's there's two where you have the dancers and, and, and whatever getting changed. So they might be okay there, then, in that might case. Might be all right at the Halliwell Jones. You would have thought that that would have been the first thing that that Super League would have checked with the the, the stuff. Otherwise, we could have just been having, we could have just been calling we could have just been calling it the Leeds Championship, though, couldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, no, there's definitely enough dressing rooms at Warrington. Oh, well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's something that I've raised elsewhere and I got laughed out of town with it, you know, saying, well, what? why would a stadium need additional additional dressing rooms? Uh, but I suppose if you were hosting multi-matches, then, and, uh, then you do, don't you? 
Of course, yeah. But that, that's where the next round of Super is going to be at, isn't it? It's at the Hollywood Jones. Yeah, looking forward to how that's going to shape up. But uh, at this stage, it's probably too early for us to say who's going to be playing who because we don't, no, we don't actually know if everybody's going to be coming back yet, do we? No. Uh, all the focus this week is all about the Chance Cup, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know what? I don't know whether I'm looking forward to it or not, because once again, it pits Catalan's Dragons up against Wakefield, and uh, the last time them two met, as we've said, it was no contest. Yeah, the thing is with rugby league, you always find the team that got beat the week before uh, by the same opposition will come back and and, and turn it round and, and end up with the win. So it wouldn't surprise me if Wakefield win that game. I tell you what, that'd be that'd be ace. If you, have you already put your pound on that one? Yeah, why not? I bet you're getting good odds on you. I bet you're getting good odds. Yeah, back on Wakefield here, and uh, it's been reported in their local press that they could ring the changes for the the the, the next round of the Challenge Cup because they conceded ten tries against uh, against Catalans, okay. uh, and Chris Chester's already been quoted as saying he was really disappointed by the efforts of a lot of his senior players um so wakefield have made a change already there is a lad that he's set for a debut this weekend uh, and that's any senior who's joined from huddersfield on loan uh, i suppose we... oh, there's a name as well i've never come across yeah he's played a few games for them because if you think mm-hmm. they've got they've got a couple of um they've got a couple of seniors there uh twins so, you know, oh, twin, okay. twin brothers, they play out on the wings, usually opposite wings. Uh, but I suppose with Jermaine McGilvery coming back into selection, you've got Leroy Kudjo back and, you know, the, the, they've got options there at the moment, haven't they? So it's probably a good move for any senior for this next month or two, isn't it, to, to head on over to Wakefield? Well, it gives them the opportunity to play some first-team rugby league, doesn't it? And just let the uh, Simon Wolford know that he has got the ability, if needed, to be stepping back into the first team for the Huddersfield. The final hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Speaking of Wolford, we've still not heard whether or not he's going to be getting a contract come the end of the season for next year, which, uh, you know, is a bit bit of a worry for him, isn't it? It's got to be. I mean, he's done a better job than I thought he would. He, I, I, he's done a better job than I thought he would do, actually, because when he came over, you're thinking, Sam, you and, and then and the, the poor performances seemed to continue, even though he was here, wasn't it? But, uh, last season, it seems to get progressively better, didn't it? And, and this year, well, they've had an outstanding start uh, to the Super League campaign. So, you'd have thought Huddersfield would like to secure his services for a little bit longer. Talking about people securing their services, and Sean Wayne has managed to bag another contract with the RFL despite not taking charge of England yet. Weird one, isn't it? How can you, how can you get a new contract and not play the game? They must be impressed with what he's been doing in the background. Uh, I mean, I did hear that he's gone on Zoom and he's gone on Twitter. So, you know, those are, oh, are real positives. He's definitely getting down with he's the kids. Getting down with the kids at 55 years of age. I, I also heard as well that Wayne Bennett does Zoom as well. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's 55. He's in season. I think so. Yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, yeah it's good to see Sean Wayne back in the league. Um, but yeah, getting down with the kids. I'm just I'm showing him how to do that. I mean, I'm delighted for him, to be honest, you know, because one thing that you always got with Sean Wayne was a real organised Wigan side. Uh, yeah. You knew that they'd always be totally tough through the middle of the field. And, um, you know, they, they, they'd play to a pattern like a lot of teams do, but they give you everything. And I think if he can get that same sort of ethos from his England players, uh, then we could be heading in the right direction, couldn't we? Oh, they always played with a lot of passion, Wigan, uh, and, they, and they, they, they took the game... 
right to the borderline where it, it basically is it legal or illegal what they were doing, but they, they took it right to the limit, didn't they? They did. Uh, all the wrestle. They took it right up to the limit. And they played it rough and tough. They could do it both ways. They could play it classy or they could play it rough and tough. And like you say, if you can do that with England, when we take on Australia, well, we might have a better chance of beating them. Uh, Rumour has it that we're going to get a mid-season test next year, which would be interesting in preparation for the World Cup. Well, they need a game, don't they? Because like you said, they've not played one yet. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I suppose it's difficult for him in that respect, isn't it? I know he's announced that there's a couple of players that are joining squads. So Herbie Farmworth, yeah, who's pro- probably been one of the, the plus points of Brisbane, he's been called up into the England squad. Uh, and also as well, uh, Knowles from St. Helens, which I was quite surprised about, to be honest, because he's already represented Wales and it brings to, to the brings to the fore all of our thoughts about International Rugby League again. Listen, I know I know what you go, you, which road you're going down, but Australia have been doing it for years, haven't they? Well, they have, but oh, God, come on, you know, he's played for Wales. This is why we never do anything at International Rugby League, isn't it? Cause they... but listen, there's guys, there's guys who've played for Tonga who have gone, have gone and played for Australia or New Zealand. Taumalolu was one of them, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you go back even longer than that, Tony Carroll, he played for both Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. And and to be fair, to be fair as well, to further back you up, Benji Marshall was an Australian schoolboy international before he represented you, you know the Kiwis. So it, it has been happening. But it just annoys me. It really does annoy me re- regarding that because you should just be able to 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 pick your nationality and you stick well, you with it. You mentioned Benji Marshall, Adrian Lamb is an Australian schoolboy international when they were playing for Papua New Guinea. Uh-huh. And there you go. Rest my case. So there's a casing point. A casing yeah. point. I can't, I've so got nothing. About it. I've got nothing more to add to that. But it still annoys no. me, Adrian. It still annoys me, and I'd love to see it change. I can tell. I can tell you. Yeah, I can't see your facial expression because it's social distancing. But yeah, I can tell in your voice. <laughs> You're getting frustrated. Chill. The final hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. The next topic that I just wanted to drop in here: this RFL autumn competition there's now five it's clubs hard, isn't it? there's five clubs that have said that they'll do it and the rest are, are sitting quiet well with that in mind they might as well cut the loss and say it's not happening i know at the time we're recording this um, we've not heard any you know reason why it's not going ahead yet uh, although like you i think if you've only got five teams that are interested you can't really run you can't really run a competition can you with just five clubs no. No, you can't. So I think what was a good idea to give the part-timers in the, in the Championship and the League one the competition, because uh, it got so many people who wanted to stay part, you might as well just stay. It's a good idea, but we not the member of it. As you say, good idea, but yeah, not enough people to, to carry it forward, I don't think. Anything else that's caught your eye in rugby league over the last sort of seven days or so, Aid? I tell you what has caught my eyes in the last seven days in the world of rugby league. It's nothing to do with what on field it is, what's happening off the field and Ottawa announcing a ruck of signings, mainly four from Witness in one go. Yeah, and, and four half decent players from Witness as well, who should go well in League One. Well, you've got the two Chapahal brothers, they'll enjoy the, themselves over there. And uh, I know they've got the critics amongst the Witness fans, but, you know, the hard-working forwards, young lads, because they could do all right in, in League One. And 
for, uh, and as for like being the face of the club, they'd be great for us to work with. They've been doing all kinds of stuff for Witness. They've been really good uh, in the but, community, haven't they, for Witness yeah, as well? So that that's going to help the Ottawa cause over there because they'll be great for all that stuff. They love doing it. Um, as for the other three, Pat Moran, never really got a chance to show what he can do at Witness because of what happened with the with the shutdown. Never really got an opportunity as well at Warrington because of the quality that was in front of him. But when he went went out on loan in the Championship. Seems to do okay for himself, so he should be a good addition for them. And Sam Wild, well, he's just a hard-working second rower, but for me, on the slightly small side. I think that's one thing that has, has, has always gone against him, really, hasn't it? Because I remember seeing him as a, an academy international, and I thought, what a player yeah. he is, but he never really built any he's further not bulked, size. Not, not bulked up, has he? Yeah, I, I want you to chuck in a couple of the other signings that they've made. Gavin Marge, right, for example, going in from Toulouse. Uh, he is a, a, a really experienced, I know he's only in his mid-twenties, but he's really experienced sort of centre or winger who scores tries, sets them up, um, a, a really potent sort of player. Uh, and I know that they've brought in Deco Donnell as well from uh, Workington who came through that whole Wigan system. So, you know, whenever you're signing a player that's been through that Wigan system, they're going to be well covered, aren't they, with the basics. And he's a, he's a decent lad as well, is Deck. It just goes to show also we're how serious about this. Because when you, when you first said, oh, we're, we're going to put a rugby league team in League One and nothing came about in terms of signings and we didn't have a coach, and you're thinking, are these guys serious? And all of a sudden, they've got a coach in place and they've signed how many players now? I think they're up to nine players that they've signed nine now. Players. Certainly nine that they've announced. Yeah, so there's plenty more work to be done, but I'm sure they will get a squad in place by next year. Uh, and I really like some of the things that Eric Perez is saying there, to be honest, because it sounds like he's learned from the whole Toronto experience well, and, and you know, how, how they ended up. Uh, they, I mean, for, for one, the Remember Club, they took over Hemel Stagg's licence, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. So, so that's yeah. a huge bonus for them. That's always an advantage, isn't it? Because then they're not having to grovel the way Toronto did. Yeah, and, and I suppose as well, they, they then don't need uh, the total money man, which in, ended up going in there and, and risking it all like we've seen. And, and yeah. I've got to be honest, though, all this, what's happened with Toronto, it's probably no different than has happened at a number of other clubs down the years where money men have come in, money men have pulled out, and it's left a whole mess in the way, hasn't it? You can go, you can go right, right through, can't you? Carlisle, Cardiff, Kenton Victor, Mansfield, Marksman, Scarborough Pirates. Remember them? I do remember Scarborough Pirates. Beautiful <laughs> jersey. It's a great place to go and have a game, have a weekend for rugby league. But if it's only, if, how many seasons was it? Two seasons. I think they only did the one. To be honest, mate. One season. Yeah, um, one season wonder. One season wonder. Yeah. So yeah, rugby league's been littered with clubs like that. It's almost like you can see you can see rugby league as a pathway, and there's these ex clubs which are just scattered amongst the, at the side of the road, aren't they? I mean, I suppose the original one was Blackpool Borough. Blackpool Borough, yeah, definitely. You know, the money men are going, and then when, when the money men pulled out, they just fall fall apart. Uh, and we've seen some near misses as well, haven't we? You know, Lee down the years have had the various problems. Um, witness. witness as well, you know, most recently. Radford. Uh, Swinton, Rochdale, it's all happened, oh. hasn't it? It has. It just goes to show, even though um, Summer Rugby League, framing the future and all that stuff, was meant to secure the future of the game, the same problems that we had in the winter game, they're still here now, 25 years later. They are, they are. And, and, and you, there's always that old saying as well, isn't there? If you keep doing what you always did, you always get what you always got. So something's got to change somewhere, hasn't it? You, you, know, you know what I watched during the lockdown? Go on, what did you watch? I went, I, I went on YouTube and I had to watch Another Bloody Sunday with Doncaster. Brilliant. 
<laughs> Go on, tell us a bit more. I've not seen that for a while. Oh, man. As he went back to playing rugby league in them dense conditions, he shut the ground down, honestly. <laughs> the boardroom was, was a porter cabin. <laughs> it was aptly named, wasn't it, Tattersfield? Oh, my word. You, if any of our listeners who are listening to this podcast on loverugbyleague.com um, ever went to Tattersfield to watch the rugby league, there, God, you must have loved your rugby league. You must have had to have loved it. <laughs> so you've heard what myself and Adrian have thought about this whole situation involving Hull and the Super League restart and the fact that, you know, who knows, we could be having one of these stoppages every single week and the, the team that's um, on the outer uh, and has the bye could actually be thrust into action every other week. Um, I'm really pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine, Andy Grundy, uh, previously a professional player with the likes of Wigan, Lee, Rochdale, and Charlie in his playing days, also a coach these days as well. Uh, and I'm delighted to have you on the show. You've you've worked alongside me a couple of times as well in the old commentaries as well, too, haven't you? I have, Dave. And it's, uh, every time I, I work alongside you, I thoroughly enjoy the occasion. Um, as we were just saying before, we've uh, you, you know we've we've gone into recording. It's uh, some of them situations where nobody could have predicted us being in at the start of the season that we find ourselves in now, unfortunately. Exactly, you know, so uh, so what I want to do is I want to dig into this situation a little bit more, to be honest, over at uh, over at Hull and have your have your thoughts about it, I suppose. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? it? It really is a difficult situation. It's uh, it's a situation where I strongly believe that, you know, there should be no fingers pointed at, uh, at any one particular person for for doing something wrong. I think the, the, the blame game and the, the blame culture um, for me, is, is something that we, we, we shouldn't delve into. And, uh, you know, for this kind of situation that we find ourselves in now, we're kind of progressing in the dark, if you like, Dave. You know, these, these, these situations are, are something that we've not seen before, and ultimately we need to learn by them. Uh, so for me, I think personally, what we need to do is be honest with our approach. Uh, we need to be forthcoming with information when information is required. And uh, as I said, you know, with, with, with regards to being honest with, uh, with our approach, we will learn from it. And ultimately, by learning from it, we can ensure that whatever we put into place to move forward in the future, uh, you know, we progress accordingly, and we and we have a game to watch, which is ultimately what uh, you know the fans of the game want want to see, and, and those involved at, at the club level. People have suggested, you know, NRL style bubbles, but that costs a lot of money, and you know, this is money that over here our game just doesn't have, isn't it? Yeah, but I suppose one's got to look at, uh, you know, the, the different ways of of, uh, of how the games are. Uh, are looked upon in, in different countries. So, for example, you know, you you, you look at the the bubble system in the NRL. Um, the NRL is is one of the the main sports down under, as we're as we're fully aware of, and therefore, obviously, from a financial perspective, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a lot more um, financially stable, should we say, um, you know, with regards to to the the, the finances that are in place. The, so, you know, with, with that in mind, uh, from a financial perspective. It's it's not us telling on clubs. It doesn't uh, it doesn't pull at the resources that uh, our Super League teams, for example, have in place. So you know, in order to, to to put systems in place and to ensure that's a robust system for for example, our Super League players to be put in uh, to to a deal by, uh, the players themselves have got to take uh, some, some some form of responsibility. Um, for example, during the week when they're they're away from the club system, they've got to to look at what they're doing and to look to to, to see whether you know, they're doing something that possibly can have a negative impact on them testing negative in going forward um, with regards to their daily lifestyle, if, if you like, away from from the club environment. And and that, for me, 
is uh, got to be something that's that's really zoned in on. Mm. I thought there was something quite telling in an interview that I heard Simon Wolford do yesterday. Uh, at the time we we're recording this, it is Friday, of course, you know. So uh, in in build up to to his game at the weekend, uh, someone was asking him about this whole situation, and he said that he was quite surprised that. Uh, there hadn't been anything specifically coming from Super League uh, or the RFL regarding, uh, you know, what players should and shouldn't be doing, and that it had been left very much in the in the lap of the clubs uh, to decide what sort of policies they were putting forward. Yeah, and the, the thing is with that, Dave, you know, every club will have a different protocol, if you like. So, for example, you know, you, you may have one club that is, you know, is, is a little bit more. Uh, regimented with its systems that are in place and, and perhaps another club they may be a little bit more relaxed and and again going back to what I said at the start um, there's got to be a, a, an air of honesty here uh, so for example if, if, if the systems that are in place at a certain club are not being adhered to then why are they not being adhered to? Mm. Is there something that needs to be looked, looked at in order to change in going forward to ensure that those players are kept as safe uh, uh, as possible um, and again ultimately to be able to apply uh, their trade at the weekend and play the game that they love to play. And obviously, from a fan's perspective, you know, there's no better thing to watch uh, live sport. I mean, like, you know, we, we've both had situations, you know, whereby you kind of look at... Uh, you kind of look at things and you're right, there is almost like a finger pointing and, you know, thou, holier than thou attitudes possibly out there that are creeping in. Particularly, I've noticed amongst fans... Uh, to fans of other clubs as well, you know, and I think rugby league was always one of those sports which, for me, could always pride itself in its friendliness. And I, and I see, it's probably because of this wider situation. I see a game that its fans are tearing at each other and they're tearing at players and stuff and the pointing fingers. When, when really, I mean, you can talk from a, an example of being in that professional environment, can't you? There's an awful yeah, lot I mean- of pressures that are on you. Yeah, there's an awful lot of pressure. I mean, professional sports in itself is a, is a pressurised environment. And, you know, ultimately, when you go into a, to, to, to a game where you're being paid to apply your trade and play the game, then ultimately there's going to be pressures when, you know, there's, there's external stakeholders, for example. You know, your fans are, are, are come amongst that, uh, that nucleus of... Uh, of, uh, you know, you have a vested interest in the game. They they, they pay the money uh, for, for example, for season tickets, and, and therefore they want to watch a, a, a live rugby league, as I say. And, and and they have a right to voice their opinion, and they have a right to 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 debate. Uh, but for me, some of the comments that that, that I've seen online are, are quite vicious in in some respects. I think uh, ultimately, as a game, we want to see. As I say, you know, the players out on the field and is enjoying the game from the sidelines. But we need to come together collectively as one, Dave. And ultimately, um, you know, being, by being negative and pointing the finger, as I said, the blame game, it, it, it ultimately, it dirties the water and it makes us as a sport not look as professional as what we would like uh, us to look. And, and for me, you know, there's, there's no winner in that situation. Um, I think we need to come together, as I said, collectively as one. We are a family. I always see the rugby league um, family as, as something where... You know, we 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 we're there for each other. We, you know, there's there's an helping hand, and we can we can rely on each other. And ultimately, we speak positively about our game. But but unfortunately, over recent months, I've seen a turn in the tide, and I don't know why that is. Uh, and that for me is extremely concerning. Um, I think the current situation that we find ourselves in, and I, I know you you're not overly keen on the word unprecedented times, but we are facing, uh, and we are still, uh, you know, in the midst of unprecedented times. Uh, and therefore, everybody at this moment in time is feeling the pressure. 
Um, when we look at the professional environment, for example, when we look at our fans and our stakeholders, we all have a vested interest, as I say, you know, from a financial perspective. You've got your your, your sponsors, obviously, who, who pay, obviously, to bring some kind of kudos, if you like, to their business. And therefore, if the games are not live on Sky Sports, for example, that isn't happening. So that causes, uh, you know, uh, internal, external pressure. Your fans are not, are not pay- your fans are paying for season tickets and they're not getting to watch what they want to watch. And again, let's face it, the vast majority of, of fans pay because they want to release, you know, they work extremely hard to pay for their season ticket and they want to rock up at the grounds and watch a live game of rugby league, which, which is something that they love to watch. Um and when that's taken away from them, it it, it, uh, it kind of increases the intensity and the the heat. And ultimately, I think we're seeing kind of a a backlash, if you like, because of the situation that we're finding ourselves in. But again, I think some people need to just take a backward step a little bit, reevaluate the situation that everybody's finding themselves in, and look to kind of find the positives to so now we can go forward and make our game. Um, as big a success as we can as we can make it uh, this season in particular, obviously. The good thing from this situation at Hull, if you can pick a point, is that, you know, it's been discovered, it's been found, you know, so as a result, it means that people can isolate. It means that, you know, we, we don't end up with like an entire squad, for example, that falls foul of this terrible illness. Um, and it also means as well that with the protocols in place, it's meant that there's no threat at Salford either because they've been able to step back. So surely from that point of view, it's been a success, hasn't it, with these early protocols that they, they have in place for like the likes of the testing and the like? You would think so. But again, going back to some of the comments that you read online, it's almost like it's uh, you know it's the end of the world kind of situation. Listen, you know, in the end of the day, for me, this, this is a positive. You know what I mean? We'd, we'd be extremely gullible to think that we were going to commence the season and nothing was going to come come out with regards to a positive test, for example, as we've seen. But ultimately, we've picked up on on, on the the positive test that that uh, that have been picked up on a, a, a whole, and and ultimately we've we put things in place now to ensure that when we go forward, that uh, situations perhaps won't be as. Um, as they are now. So, so again, you know, going back to what I say, we've got to learn by this. Um, when things happen like this in situations that we're, we're not, we're not familiar with, you've got to put a system in place that looks at what we've done right, what we've done wrong and learn from both of them. The world, the world in general is changing. Uh, you only need to go shopping for example, and, and look at how, how robust the systems are in place now and quite regimented, aren't they? In, so, in some respects, you know, you go out now and you, you, you're, you're hand sanitizing, you, you've got to keep your distance. So e- everything is changing. Uh, it's, it, you know, and ultimately there's, there's going to be uh, positive tests that take place in any kind of industry. But again, it's how you adapt to ensure that when you go forward, you minimize the impact that, that potentially could, could, could occur from this, uh, from this virus. And, you know, I've got to throw this into the equation as well, Dave, you know, with regards to rugby league, these players that, that are going out playing and the and, and the, the 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 staff that, that are obviously there on match days, they're fully aware of the of, of, of the, the severity and the consequences of, of being in that environment. But ultimately, they're willing to take that risk and be there. And again, from a from a safeguarding perspective, there's got to be um, you know a robust situation in place where 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 systems are being adhered to. But but again, it's kind of it's kind of a calculated risk if you like, in order for them players to apply their trade on match day. And 
you only need to look at some of the tweets from some of the players. They they they, they were desperately wanting to get back out onto the park, and you know they they, they were very forthcoming in saying that they they were aware of the the safety elements that needed to be put in place and the potential of obviously possibly catching uh, such virus. But again, you've got to try and look at how we can minimise the risk and to to get them players back on on the field as safely as possible. Um, let's face it, rugby league is a is an extremely uh, tough game. Uh, the players that play it, uh, you know, from a physical perspective, go through an awful lot uh, during the time that they're they're in the middle of the park, and and there are risks that are attached to to playing rugby league. Um, now, whilst obviously this risk risk is totally different, it's still a risk. Um, so again, it's just a case of being there and supporting and ensuring that um, we we try our best to offer the the fans. Uh, an exciting game, if you like, um, with with minimal disruption. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I kind of liken uh, these steps that have happened this week to something that's actually happened in my own workplace, for example. So I now work in North Manchester, which, as we all know here in the news, uh, is part of this wider lockdown. I know, obviously, where both of us are from as well. You know, we've been included in this wider wider lockdown and and, and sort of more stringent procedures that have been put in place. Um, and we had. Uh, a little when when it was announced at, at work, we actually closed the office again for a week to make mm-hmm. sure that our plans that we had in place were adhering to everything. You know, so yeah. it, it got us to, if you like, uh, have a look at everything that we were doing from a work point of view. Where you'd imagine this would get everybody looking at exactly what they're doing and good have come from it because there'd be more stringent things in place anyway from here on in. Exactly, and 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 going back to the, the to the testing that we was talking about, and and obviously the, you, you know the the old players that were tested positively, um, you know that will make everybody what's involved in the game look at what what they're doing themselves. So again, you, you've you've got to take a, a responsibility on yourself. Uh, you know, ultimately the players who, who are playing are being paid to to play the game. So that that's to responsibility that one's got to take upon upon themselves is going to be an ultimate priority if you like because if the players don't take that responsibility and and they're being quite uh, frivolous with what they're doing throughout the week so you know they're they're doing things that potentially could put them at risk then ultimately that could potentially stop them from from applying their trade and playing the game that they love playing and again the knock-on effects of that are quite quite Catastrophic uh, with regards to obviously things like finances, for example. Uh, not only did the club take a, a massive knock-on effect, but the players themselves are, are obviously not being paid, and you know the wages are, are, are not going into the bank. And again, it's, uh, it's 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 certainly going to take its its toll in going forward if if they don't start to to look at what they're doing during the week themselves when they're away from from the professional environment in the club. Let's look at the action that we have seen on field, you know, and, and turn it back into more more positive things because ultimately that's what we should be talking about largely as a sport, I feel, you know, we should be talking about the positives of, like you said, these gladiators getting it back out there and applying the trade with, with great aplomb. We've seen some great skills and I really feel that um, from, from my point of view, this uh, set restart that they had in Australia, which has been implemented here, although it's made the game sort of even tougher for those guys that I've got to go out every week, it's made it a great spectacle. Yeah. I'm a massive fan of it. And I was, I was a I was somebody who who supported the change prior to it coming into into place, Dave. Uh, so for me now the the game's a lot more fluid, if you like. It's uh, it's a lot more um, 
it's a lot more open. It's a lot more exciting. And I think that's what any fan wants to wants to see. Obviously, it's a little bit concerning for some of the players who are playing it. It takes a little bit more out of you, if you like, as, as a player on the field. But ultimately, I think as a spectacle, it offers a lot more. Uh, I've certainly uh, been excited by watching uh, the games over, over recent weeks. And I, I just feel as though um, it adds a little bit more to the equation. And I think ultimately, the, you know, the more that we can add to the game, the better kind of spectacle it makes from from a fan's perspective, and, and ultimately uh, from an attraction as well, and bringing new people into the game. It's uh, it, it's for me has been a, 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 a great change, and, and ultimately I hope it's something that they they keep as it is now in going forward. The only other thing that I sort of wanted your uh, your, your opinion on, really, and you know this is something we, we've both had. You've had your involvements in rugby union. I had a season of it over at Oral, which uh, you know I did really enjoy from a, a different point of view. But I remember, I remember doing a video and finding out that the ball was in play uh, in a rugby union game for about 25, 26 minutes of the 80. Uh, compared with these stats that we're getting now with this quicker play of the balls and the set restarts, we're looking at... Super League games being in action for 62 minutes plus, which is like massive. It's a massive difference, isn't it? It is a massive difference. As I was saying, you know, I mean, as as a as a player, I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna be quite telling on on the uh, the the players that are playing the game uh, from a physical perspective. But ultimately, I think the game's changing anyway. I think I think players are becoming more more athletic, if you like, in, 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 in the way that they present themselves. So, for example, you look at our forwards, you know, and you look at the likes of uh, Graham Wormsley, for example, people like that. Um, they're, they're slimming down and they're becoming, they're, you know, they're becoming the athletes that, that I personally want to see on a match day playing the game. Um, ultimately, it makes for a more exciting, uh, accelerating kind of, a, of an environment, if you like. So, for example, to see a prop breaking through and scoring a try and, 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 and running half, half a length of the field, is is uh, you know it's great to see. Um, where at one time you know you you'd be looking for a prop to make to make anything decent with regards to to, to the yardage on the field. Uh, with, with all due respect to those who played the game in the past, but again, it's uh, it, for me the game is changing. Uh, players are becoming more athletic, and again, it, it makes for a better, a better spectacle. And and um, and ultimately, again, you know the the more we add to the game, the better spectacle it is. Then it draws new attention in. Um, and again, it's it's something that we should uh, we should embrace. Uh, they've no longer got a. I was, I was just thinking from a props point of view, you've no longer got to exaggerate when you score a try. That oh, I, I ran it in from thirty meters because we're seeing some of that happening now, aren't we? Listen, I, I, I'm, 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 I for one, as a, as a pass prop, and I'm there to break the stereotypical mold of a prop. Um, so, for for, for for example, you know, you, the stereotypical prop, props were, were were somebody who were, were were relatively overweight and would all the last five minutes on the field before you had to make a substitute substitution. And it's great to see you now that props can play eighty minutes if, if, if required, Dave. And and again, long may that, that continue because you know everybody wants to see athletic players now taking to the field everybody wants to see props who uh, you know have a brain and can speak uh, and articulate the words in, in, in a way that, uh, that one, one would expect them to be able to articulate which is to be to be clear about about the uh, about the positive nature of the, of the game they play and and to ultimately bring and cast a good light on 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 rugby league so again it's all it's all positive uh, yeah, I agree. I agree, Andy. Uh, just before we go, uh, I just wanted to wonder who your tips were for this season in Super League. Who do you think is going to be, you know, sort of right up there, having seen what you've seen uh, since the restart? Yeah, it's a tough one, really, Dave. I mean, looking at things, I, I think, um, 
you know, look at Salford. Salford have, 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 have got a good squad together and, and they tend to to pull things out of the bag when needed. And, and you know, Ian Watson, a, an old teammate of mine, is he's doing an absolutely tremendous job as a as the head coach and and rightly so uh, with regards to, you know, the the, the focus on, on the way that he's coaching. I think his philosophy is extremely strong and and, and it's one that the, the, the fans follow. Um being a being a Wigan lad, you know, you've got to look at Wigan and what Lammy's doing, and and again, ultimately, his uh, his philosophy is extremely strong, and the play, the players are brought into um, are brought into his way of of playing, and so it's uh, it's a tough one, really. But but for me, the St. Helens team uh, seem to be firing on all cylinders at this moment in time, and obviously the. the the signing of James Graham, obviously coming back into the into the fold, and and what he could add um, to the St. Helens squad is is immense. Um, you know, he's obviously got an extreme amount of uh, experience in the NRL. He's coming back now in his thirties. He wants to finish off his season with St. Helens, the club he started off with, and I think ultimately everybody will look up to him as a as a leader, if you like. But again, the Saints the Saints team um, are playing fantastically well, and. It's going to be um, a close one come, come, come the, the end of the season. Fingers crossed. We, we, we reach the end of the season as, as we, we obviously are, are all hoping for. So again, I, I, think the, I, think, I think the Saints team are the, are the one to catch up with, uh, Dave. Right, you heard from Andy Grundy there. Great to get him on the show. I mean, I know he is a personal friend of mine as well, which always helps. But uh, uh, so some interesting views that he had regarding the whole, whole Salford situation. And, uh, you know... Uh, it's something that we're all going to have to, to look out for, isn't it, I think, over the course of the season? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, like you say, uh, that's just the way the game is at the moment, isn't it? Certainly. Adrian, it's been a delight. Thank you ever so much, mate. Laters. And we'll be back very soon on Love Rugby League and Radio General. The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson.